It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Glad you could join us. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion, part of Jeff Fiegels. And our phone number, if you want to dial us up over the next hour, is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. You can hit us up on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. And later on, you'll find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app podcast platforms everywhere and at giants.com slash podcasts hello mr fiegels we'll hello. be we'll be previewing the usc pro day momentarily with mm-hmm. eric mckinney the publisher and lead writer for we are sc and suddenly based on the giants free agent moves there is an offensive lineman on the trojans who may have caught big blue's eye hmm. you think so maybe we will we will find out more from Eric McKinney in just a bit as soon as we get the lowdown from Schmelk that he's on the line. In the meantime, Giants fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. Um, One of the other things before we get to our USC writer, again, he'll be with us momentarily as we talk about their pro day. Jeff, I I wonder, you know, as as we've been going through the first couple of weeks of these pro days that these teams have had, uh, one of the things one of the things that I've noticed is that everybody seems to be very happy with the results that are coming out. And we've discussed how these things tend to be a little bit inflated how the results are maybe not quite as accurate as they would be if they were at the Combine. So I'm not really surprised by this. I would think you probably feel the same way. Yeah, but listen, I mean, it, it's something, right? I mean, it, it, it it's something, and it, these people are doing it. Um, yeah, and, and you know, the NFL and the scouts, and they, they, they hold a lot of that stuff to their vest anyways, what they want. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a number that come out. They're not official, but they're pretty close. Um, we've talked many times at how some of these schools, their 40 yard dash is at 39 and a half yards. So, <laughs> you know, you got to make sure that everything is, is good, but it's, they're measurables. And I've talked about this many times on the show, you know, they're measurables. You can look at them, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that this is the right person. There's a lot of other things that go into it other than the 40 time and the shuttle and the high jump and all that other stuff, not the high jump, the vertical. All nobody's, right. So nobody's doing the high jump, by the way. So let's uh, bring on Eric McKinney, the publisher and lead writer of We Are SC. He was at the Trojans Pro Day, and I think right off of the question I just asked you, we go to Eric, and Eric, I will say, I don't know maybe if the Trojan numbers were accurate, but it didn't seem like anybody jumped off the page as spectacular. These guys pretty much gave the kinds of numbers and results that people expected. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, what, what you guys are talking about there, I think that's probably a good thing when you're not saying, okay, that's, that's not verifiable by anything we've, we've seen on tape or anything like that. Yeah. All of these guys, the, the six guys that, that are probably, uh, you know, hoping to get drafted, the six guys that worked out, uh, I, I think it was a lot of kind of confirmation. Okay, that's what we've seen from these guys over their careers at, at USC. And, and these are guys that, 
they have a lot of film. You, you knew what to expect. And I think the good thing for all of them was there weren't any kind of eye-popping numbers the other way. Nobody, nobody came out and, you know, was running the 40 with the fridge on their back or, or anything like that. It, it, all looked, it all looked like what you expected from these guys. Yeah, they, it, you know, and, and that's a good thing because a lot of times it shows you that the players have actually been training, you know, um, because the worst thing you want to do is come in and you train for this stuff and then all of a sudden you do have a piano or a refrigerator on your back and then your your stock goes down so far um, that you're just sitting there going, man, I wish I would have worked a little bit harder. But um, so Elijah Vera Tucker is the, the first guy that we have on our list. You know, tell us a little bit about him, projected maybe a first, second rounder. Um, I know he's played tackle. Could he come in and play guard in the National Football League? Give us a little bit of insight about uh, Vera Tucker and what he brings to as a prospect into the NFL. Yeah, and, and just talking about Wednesday, I think he really locked himself into that first round. He, he did a lot of stuff that, that uh, I think people were looking for there. Like and what? his film is absolutely going to match up. I, I think that the number that's going to stick out is when he measured in, his arms are, are under that kind of 33-inch mark when you're mm-hmm. looking for a, a tackle. And so I think for a lot, of pro, a lot of franchises, that kind of locks him in at guard. If he's going to go into the draft as basically the unanimous number one interior offensive lineman, that's not a bad spot to be. I know he wants to play left tackle. and you know, Everybody wants to, to be kind of the left tackle. Um, but we've seen kind of that emphasis put on some of those interior positions over the last couple of years. So if he comes in and, and he's a, a guy you can take at guard, I mean, I don't know if – I don't think he's Quentin Nelson uh, at, at this point, but, boy, he, he is kind of a, a pro's pro and a guy that you just don't worry about at all. He came back. He actually opted out of the 2020 season, came back when, when the Pac-12 decided they were going to play in the fall. Uh, he slid right in at left tackle. Uh, up until then, he'd only played guard and done really well. Austin Jackson – was a first-round pick out of USC in last year's draft. It, it wasn't that that big of a deal to say Elijah Vera Tucker was the best offensive lineman, uh, you know, from that unit when Austin Jackson was there. So this is absolutely a guy that that's been kind of seen as a potential first-round pick, and he's been kind of prepping for it uh, this whole season and, and really going back to last offseason too. So not a lot of questions. For him, maybe the only one is, you know, can he play tackle? That's kind of a, a good question to be asking about him right now when you know you know what you're getting at guard, uh, a guy that you can stick in there right away, and, and he's going to be productive for you. Eric, I read your recap of the Pro Day on your site, wearesc.com. Uh, there is a line here where you say a comparison that's been thrown around quite a bit has been Dallas Cowboys uh, All-Pro Zach Martin. So my, my question is, is that more of a physical comparison or is that more of a playing comparison? Because we know that Martin is just a beast in the run game. He's very strong. He's very smart. He doesn't get caught off guard by blitzes and stunts and, and all kinds of schemes. Certainly solid in the pass game. Uh, where would that comparison lie from your perspective? Yeah, physical is the one that jumps out right away. And, and it's one of those things where when a guy has proven it at the NFL level, it's so hard to kind of take the, the respect that that, you know, that necessitates and put it on a college guy that hasn't done it yet. And, and so that's kind of the, the only hesitation. But, you know, this, this is not a team, a, a USC team that has run the ball extremely well uh, the last couple of years. But it is when you kind of, take everything apart and when you only focus on Elijah Vera Tucker 
he's doing it. He, you know, he's downfield. He's knocking guys. He's getting to the second level. Uh, he's picking up blitzes. He, he kind of understands all of that. And he has been, you know, a real strong point from a line that, that has kind of struggled a, a little bit. And so that's going to be kind of an interesting thing where you can't just look at kind of the team numbers, you know, and say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I want alignment from, from that team uh, based on kind of what they've produced. But, yeah, very, very smart. Um, he's a guy who, who can come in and, and kind of understand schemes and, and pick it up. And, and I will be curious to see if he has that kind of same uh, instant in, impact. I, I mean, I, I'd bet on it based on what I've seen and, and what I know of, of Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, again, I, like I said, he, he's kind of pro ready. And I think he, you know, that, that's a, that's a big hill to climb to get up there when, when you're talking about Zach Martin and, and some of these other kind of elite, you know, NFL guards. Uh, I, I think he has the, the ability to do that though. Does, does he also have a junkyard dog mentality? Because some of these guys who are technicians tend to be a bit passive and other guys are literally pro wrestlers or maulers when they get there in the trenches. Yeah, I, I think he does. I don't know if it's, you know, when, when you're talking about guys that are that are kind of, you know, throwing helmets and, and laying on people for 10 minutes after a play. You know, I, I don't know if it's quite that. But, yeah, he absolutely will will mix it up, and, and he'll get in there and, and hold his own uh, in, in all of those kind of one-on-one things. Um, and he, he does that have that kind of physicality. Well, that's the kind of now, – yeah, now, he played – primarily le- on the left side, right? It wasn't so yeah, much... Uh, yeah, okay. left, left guard two years ago and then left tackle this past gotcha. year. Gotcha. Okay. Paul? Well, for the Giants, uh, they may ask him to play the right side. Do you sense that that would be an issue for him? You know, I, again, I, I don't think so. It, the, clearly, there's not a ton of experience there over, over the last couple of years. But like I said, just, you know, his, his aptitude is up there and his understanding of the position and, and all of that. I, I don't think it would be, you know, specifically any any more difficult for him to flip over than, than some of these other guys that have come in and, and made that move. All right, I'm on St. Brown. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I, I, I got I to gotta get his name right because if he winds up here, I better make sure I got it. <laughs> better than you than me, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. We got, a, we got a couple of nasty names coming off the Trojans uh, this year. Uh, I, I don't know how many in the past there have been, but we got a few of them this year. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's go about him. Uh, he's one of those Smurf receivers who doesn't even uh, hit, the, hit the scales at six feet. Yeah, he again, kind of a, a pro's pro. You know, his his older brother Equinemius, and he, he's got another older brother Osiris that played at Stanford, and, and so he's been ready for this for for years. Uh, you know, training. He he absolutely looks the part. He wanted to run faster than he did on Wednesday. He he wanted to run in the four fours, and unofficially was timed at four five, and, and kind of everything under under four six, which. I don't think is a bad time for him. He's not this, you know, elite speed guy. He's a guy who's going to catch absolutely everything thrown his way, and his route running is is spectacular. Um, he's really strong. He put up 20 bench reps, uh, and, and so again, you don't worry about him making the transition. You just for him, it's just let's get me on a on a team and start going here. And so I, he's a. He's one of those quarterbacks' best friends. Uh, it, he can play in the slot. He can play uh, out wide, and he can kind of give you everything that you're looking for for wide receiver. What he doesn't have again is that kind of elite, you know, size or speed or that sort of thing. And so I'm curious what that does for him in the draft, where you know, kind of the 
the shiny toys that that ran in the four twos or, or did things mm-hmm. like that. You know, the, the guy that's that's six four and can run a little bit. Uh, a lot of times, you know, those guys get the, the get the call um, in the draft a little bit earlier than than a guy like St. Brown. But again, just uh, there haven't been a, a ton of guys recently from USC that you say yes, this guy's guaranteed. You know, to get it done in the NFL. Uh, Amara St. Brown, I, I that would be a tough bet uh, to go against. You know, having him succeed. The the comparison that gets thrown around actually, and and I think a little bit is because it's it's USC. But for you guys, the Giants is, is USC Steve Smith, mm-hmm. um, that kind of guy, just just workman like, right place, right time, catches everything. And and uh, Amara St. Brown is is more physically impressive, um, stronger, and and can do more things with that. But you know, I, I don't think uh, the comparison gets helped because it's it's coming out of USC, but I don't think it's too far off. Well, you know, if he were to play some slot in the NFL, that means he's also going to have to block some. And I get the impression from you that that would not be a problem for him. No, he loves it. I mean, he honestly, if he's on the field and you ask him to do something, he loves it. Whatever yeah. you want him to do, and he's a he's a capable blocker, absolutely. Um, and and in this offense, especially a wide receiver, they ask them to do a lot there's a lot of plays where hey you could have four five six seven options you know when when you're leaving the line of scrimmage and you got to figure out where to be where to go where what when to get your head turned and what space you need to occupy and and so it's a it's a big thinking position um you know the air raid kind of gets simplified and and dumbed down a little bit but for those wide receivers there's a lot to do and so he's absolutely i think equipped to get to the next level well they had him playing outside last year um, he, predominantly in 18 and 19, he was in the, from the slot position. What was that due because of, of injuries to the outside receiver position that they moved him out there, or they, what was the situation there? He, he has always kind of envisioned himself as an outside receiver. And so if, if it was up to him, he likes that idea. I think he's getting more comfortable with the idea of, of playing in the slot. But USC has a, has a kind of a big hybrid tight end receiver in, in Drake London that does a lot of their stuff inside. And then losing Michael Pittman uh, two years ago, that kind of opened up a, a little bit of a spot outside. So, again, St. Brown, he, he can kind of go all over the place. And I think it was sort of some preference, some scheme fit, some kind of balancing off of, of Drake London and, and doing a, a few different things with him. Any, uh, any, <clears throat> quickly, Paul, any, any special teams characteristics from him? Does he, is he a punt returner, kick returner? Played on special teams. Yeah, he's he's been a, a punt returner as well. I, I think he's a good returner. Honest, I mean, I think you could put him out a gunner, and and he would handle mm-hmm. himself out there. Yeah. Again, I, I think he's a guy you just you put on the field and and feel comfortable uh, in what he can do. Not af- again, not afraid to mix things up and get in there against bigger guys. And and he'll yeah he'll put a block on somebody. He'll go tackle somebody if you need him to. All right, Eric, I'm going to take a shot at the two defensive tackles before we let you go. Is it Tufeli <laughs> and Tui Pulotu? Nailed it. Nailed oh, not bad. God. Seriously? <laughs> All right. Now, I know Tufeli opted out, right? But but yeah, what can you tell us about these two guys in terms of what they show the scouts? So, Tufeli, again, yeah, he did not play in 2020. So, there is a, a big gap in terms of his film. And, and it was one of those things where when he – when the 2019 season ended, you thought, okay, next year is his year. You know, we've, we've seen some flashes and we've seen some things, but I don't think the film is there in terms of the amount. Um, he absolutely is capable of making some plays, and, and he really did kind of bet on himself to go work out and, and show well uh, at his, his pro day. And, again, there, there's enough there for me to think, 
yes, this guy is, is going to be able to make it. Uh, but it was, he was also a guy that in, in a lot of mock drafts, again, you know, early, early ones, uh, he's there at the, at the tail end of the first round, you know, right at the top of the second. And I think he needed that season last year to really reinforce that. I am very curious about him, probably more than any of the SC guys, to see what happens uh, with him, how much, you know, not having that film might affect where he goes. I do think if, if that causes him to drop, somebody's going to get a, a really good player there at, at a good value spot. So he ran the 40 in, in under five. He did 30 bench reps. Uh, he jumped 30 inches. So he, he hit, you know, some of those those benchmarks that you're looking. And then Marlon Cooper-Pelodu, they, they came in at the same time, and they've always kind of been lumped together, uh, playing the same position, both kind of out of state, but, it, you know, one from, from Oregon, one from Utah. Uh, and so they've, they've been kind of lumped together. They both did 30 reps. Uh, they both jumped about 30 inches. It, it was very similar. It was interesting to kind of see them go through it and, and just hit, you know, check all the same boxes. Marlon did play last year and he got, he got a big bump, I think, from Jay not being there. He was, he was very much relied on as being the guy in the middle of the defensive line. And he came out. I mean, he was playing better defensively than maybe any player in the Pac-12 for the first two weeks of last season. It, it was remarkable to see him play. And it, the, the production in terms of just raw numbers fell off over the, over the rest of the season. But, boy, it, it was kind of eye-opening to see how he played and just was, was throwing guys around. Um, and it wasn't something that we'd really seen consistently from him. So he took a big step forward. That film, I, I think, is going to work really well for him. In this draft, so as Jay, as questions about Jay Tufeli kind of come up, where he didn't play, you see Marlon, he did play, and and maybe they're meeting a little bit more, kind of in their you know expected uh, draft spots. But again, a, a good day from both of them, and and no real no real surprises. Uh, both of them check in at six two. Marlon Tui Pelotu three hundred seven pounds, three hundred seven pounds. Jay Tufeli three hundred five pounds. So again, talking about kind of the similarities, uh, I think Tufeli is. Probably better getting after the the quarterback, but Tupelo really showed a lot. USC has a new had brought in a new defensive line coach in Vic Soto this year, and he did a lot with those defensive linemen and kind of teaching them pass rush moves and, and getting after the quarterback. So I think I think both those guys are, are good bets. Uh, to do pretty well at the next level. How raw do you think Tufeli is? Because, you know, when I look at the Giants, and obviously Dowlin Tomlinson went to the Minnesota Vikings as a free agent, I could see them taking a guy in this draft at the defensive tackle spot saying that, hey, you know, at the very least we'd like depth and maybe even somebody who can compete. And I I suspect from everything you've said, uh, Tufeli could be that guy. It would not be out of the question. Yeah, to to fell is more of a I'd say more of a three. To Pelotu is probably more of, of a nose. Uh, okay, just based on kind of what they've done here. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for for us, good news to see uh, Leonard Williams kind of sticking around there. He's he's always been kind of a a USC fan favorite, but. Yeah, I think that Tufeli, again, both of these guys, this group of guys coming out for USC, um, they've kind of, you know, gone through so much. When they came in, they had the rough season, had to kind of put it together and, and have sort of ascended the program on their way out. Uh, a, a lot to like about sort of their pro readiness, I think. Uh, and Tufeli, the, the physical, uh, all the physical stuff is there. Absolutely. Um, I think he's a guy that, uh, both those defensive linemen can absolutely hold their own. Uh, 
uh, in their run stoppers and, and getting after the quarterback a little bit in the NFL. Jeff, final thoughts. Well, I just, yeah, I just real quickly, I just wanted to ask you, you said there were six of the guys working out there yesterday. We went over four of them. Who were the other two that you can just quickly tell us a little bit about that, that worked out yesterday? Yeah, wide receiver Tyler Vaughn. Uh, he's a guy who, ha- had he taken advantage of, you know, the, the extra NCAA year, uh, he would have set the USC career record for, for reception. So he's been a guy who's, who's very productive. He is, he's 6'2", uh, 190, 195 pounds, you know, maybe. So really long. I think, you know, he, he's maybe a guy who gets drafted late, uh, but not, again, not that kind of eye opener or anything like that. Ran, ran about a 4'6", 4'6", 240, uh, on Wednesday. The guy I love is Talano Hafanga. He's a safety. Uh, he, again, is not a guy who's going to test well in kind of the speed strength stuff, but you start putting him in sort of change of direction things. And, and when you just watch the film, again, uh, he's a guy, just, just get him on a roster. Get him on a roster, get him out there and, and see what happens. He trained one-on-one with Troy Polamalu for his combine and, and getting ready to see the NFL. And I don't, you know, try to find a better teacher at the, at the safety position. And he's, very similar, you know, both from Oregon, both very cerebral and, and thoughtful. Paul Mello obviously had, you know, another level of physical gifts uh, that, that he was able to bring. But uh, Bafanga, he, he really led the defense. He played a bunch of different safety spots. They brought him down the linebacker a little bit, super versatile, a special teams contributor. Uh, he's, he's got some injury questions, which I think is going to cause him to, to slide a little bit from where his talent could land him in the draft. But that that just I, I feel like somebody's getting a steal uh, with him wherever he goes. He he's an absolutely phenomenal football player. Great stuff on the Trojans Pro Day from Eric McKinney, the publisher and lead writer of WeRSC.com. Eric, uh, we do appreciate your time very much. Excellent preview material on some of these prospects, and we wish you well the uh, rest of the off season. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a good day. So, Jeff, uh, you know, I I have to confess, both on the offensive line and on the defensive line, I am a bit intrigued by what the Trojans are throwing into this draft. And I would suspect that at some point in time, these names have probably come up for discussion over the course of uh, the Giants' conversations. Now, how high and will they be available when they pick? Uh, And what is their value? That, of course, remains to be seen, but... Uh, the two positions that the Giants, you would think, are going to add in this draft along the uh, trenches uh, are definitely in play when you're a USC fan. Well, definitely. I think, I mean, when you talk about Tucker, um, you know, here's, here's a guy, although he's, he plays a, predominantly on the left side, he asked a good question. I was curious a bit, you know, if he would be able to go over to the right side. It's showing here that he did play in 2018. He played right guard for 100-plus snaps. So he's done it before. Um, and he's 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 up there and, you know, the top 40 ranked players in the draft. So, you know, you're looking at the second round, Paul, with that 42nd pick that the Giants have. Could this be maybe somebody when we're talking about the offensive lineman? Um, and then if, then you go down to the defensive lineman. Are you looking somebody to come in and replace Dalvin? You know, as he, he said, a couple of these guys, they put their different positions. One could be a nose guard. One could be a three technique. So we'll see what happens. But, you know. I know one thing about when I heard that somebody trains with Troy Palomaro. Palo, hello. <laughs> Palomalo. Palomalo, excuse me, Palomaro. I think of baseball here. Rafael Palomaro. That gets me excited. <laughs> but if you're, if you're training with that dude, <laughs> 
you got to screw loose too. I mean, yeah. that guy was one heck of a football player and just loved to watch him play. Um, but you know what? This is what's so exciting about the draft and talking to some of these guys because, you know, they're there every day, as you know. They're the beat guys. They're the ones that are writing about all these. They kind of understand and know who the, who the gems are and kind of the diamonds in the rough, right? Um, and just, you know, sometimes you, you never know, Paul. You get some of these guys that come out of this draft, fifth, sixth round, and uh, they make the team. They, they make it on special teams, and then the next thing you know, they got a six-, seven-, eight-year career ahead of them in the NFL. So it's exciting for these guys. And, um, you know, USC always, as you know, historically always puts guys in the National Football League. They're always up there, the amount mm-hmm. of guys that they put in. That in Miami. Paul, would you like some Penn State Pro Day results? Throw, throw a few at us, John. You want some music, John? There you go. But yeah. before, before yes. you do, did any of the big guys like Parsons opt out of the pro day? No, they did not. Mm. That, is what, that, that is what I'm bringing to the table for you right now, sir. And, and, Jeff, by the way, you sound a little off mic. If you can adjust that headset, I think you might be a little bit. And that's How about now? That sounds a lot better. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, now we'll get the few witnesses. Now time for John yes. Schmoke's Pro Day Update. Ding, 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 ding. All right, Paul, I will, I will let you choose. Michael Parsons first or Jason Oway first? Go, Parsons. Yeah. Parsons, 6'3", 246. Yeah. Four three nine forty yard dash time. That is unofficial from an NFL scout. This is via Jim Nagy, by the way, and his Twitter feed. He runs the Senior Bowl, former NFL scout. Right. So, a ten yard split on that forty time, one point five nine, which is also very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty four inch vertical jump, a three cone of six nine four, which is excellent. Only nineteen bench press reps, which is not great, but no. again, who who cares? I don't think that really matters. Um, and then Jason Oway. Wow. Uh, 6'4 and a half. Yes. 257 pounds. Take a guess what his 40-yard dash time was. At 6'4, uh, four, 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 I'm going to say 4. I'm going to say 4.38. No. No, probably 4.3. Well, it's four three eight four three. What? Yeah, but John, but John's jumping out of his pants, so it's got to well, be better than that. Well, for defensive ends are on a four three nine at six five. It's still ridiculous. He ran a four three nine. By the okay, way, okay, there you go. A sub four four for a defensive end is sick. And you know yes. how you know how three cone drills are really important for for yes. defensive ends. Six dot eight four, which is off the charts good. Remember, he's a guy that people expected him to test like a freak, so this matches they did. it. So this, and so does Parsons, by the way. Yes. Both these testing results match the tape, which is important. It confirms what you've seen. Always a guy for the fans that don't know, and we'll do more on the Penn State Pro Day moving forward here, obviously, when we have our guest on um, another day. But no sacks last year, but he did have pressures and things of that nature. So just yeah. something to keep an eye on. Those are the two Penn State guys that I got for you. Wow. All right. Well, How is it possible? That a guy six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds can run four three. And Jeff, speed. that's what they thought he was going to do Jeez, too. But it's still just remarkable. <laughs> it's <a> freak. <laughs> now, why didn't he have any sacks last year, though? We'll get we'll get into that with our Penn State okay. guy whenever right. we get the opportunity. But right now, today was USC Pro Day, and again, Eric McKinney of WeRSC.com was kind enough to join us. And again, if you want to listen to anything, if you missed some of it, what he had to say about their prospects, it'll be up on the archive. Uh, brought to you by Investors Bank. All right, let's go to the phone lines at 973-667-1960. Marco in Connecticut, you're first on the program. Hello. 
Hey, Paul. Hey, Jeff. How are you guys? Good, Mark. Good to how talk to you? you. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, the topic I wanted to get into with you guys since uh, since we started making those signings, um, I think Galladay was Monday or Sunday, and then um, and then Jackson. I'm so excited. So excited. I love the players. And I was excited that I'm just like the way the roster is coming together before the draft. Uh, but I will say a little hesitant, especially with some friends when we're talking about it, a little hesitant because um, I, I always remember when we did this in, in 2016 when they brought in uh, Jack Rabbit, Snacks, and OV. That was also really fun. And, I, and we had a great 2016 season. And I had never thought about this until it got brought up years later. But the thing with uh, that free agency class, it seemed like that has gotten brought up a couple times on, you know, why the Giants had to make specific moves uh, after the case, things that Gettleman had to deal with when he came in that maybe were some leftover from the 2016 free agency class. Um, so I'm curious, from a contract's point of view, not the players, contract's point of view, what is different about what the team did, uh, let's just say, with Leonard, with Galladay, with Jackson, compared to the contracts that were given out in 2016? And I ask mainly because I think we're in a really good position, especially with Daniel still being on the rookie contract. And I know that, you know, I'm hoping he's going to have a good year and he's in uh, line for a bigger contract down the line. Is this something that we are going to have to face again, like the way they talked about 2016? Hmm. Well, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Paul. Um, just how the, that somebody asked the same question, kind of, about the 16 season and the free agents this year. And I had said that, you know, I, collectively, I like this group better. Um, and I also think that we and John had had commented a little bit about the structure of these deals. You know, they're not as long, I guess. Um, and just, you know, I, I think that you just have to be – when I look at what they've done this year, I didn't know – and I said this yesterday. I had no idea. And I was curious about you, Paul. I had no idea that the Giants would go after this many free agents and where they were going to get the money this year. Um, but they've proven me wrong there. And so I guess it's just how these, these are structured. These, these deals have been structured differently as far as length of terms of contract, guaranteed money, and things like that. Because obviously – Dave Gettleman does not want to be put in that same position as he was coming out of 2016, correct? I mean, in 17 and 18. Well, I, I tend to look at this a little bit differently from a, a different kind of angle, and that is I don't look at the years or the money that the high-priced free agents – You look agents, at dead money? Uh, I'm looking at what is the, the current status of the team. This is a much younger team than the one in 16. Mm-hmm. It's a growing team with much more upside than the than the 2016 team had. It is a much better coaching staff from top to bottom than the 2016 team had. And so I don't expect there to be uh, uh, bumps in the road and obstacles to overcome and things that couldn't get fixed and things that went out of control as they did in 2017. After that team made the playoffs, the wheels started to fall off. I don't think that's going to happen with this particular roster. So I look at it and say, what's the status? What's the character? What is the makeup of this team and this coaching staff compared to that one? The reason that that 2017 went so bad 
was a combination of all of those factors. I don't think those factors are prevalent on this year's squad as they head into what will be 2022 after what I project to be a playoff season this year. Can I simplify it even more very quickly, if you guys Mm -hmm. don't mind? I don't mind. Okay. This is how I look at it. They're, they're committing to this group of guys for the next two years, Marco. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to, unless there's an unexpected jump in the cap next year, they're really not, in my opinion, going to be able to add any other big big guys. It's just That's just the way the cap's set up. I think it's going to be a very difficult thing to do. Um, I guess you can do the same type of thing and backload a bunch of deals. But I think they're committing to this group, and they really like the players. And I think, Paul, and I'd like to get your take on this too, I think they probably have a better feel for this group of guys this year as people and guys mm-hmm. um, than they did that year. A, because one, Leonard Williams was in-house, right? So you know all about him. They brought in Gallaty and Jackson on visit, so they got attention with them face-to-face. While the guys back in 17, it was kind of sign these guys from afar, right? So I, I, don't, I think that's the difference between this year and that year for me. I mean, you're still committing to these guys as being the, the core of your roster for the next you know few years. I think that's the same or similar. So that's kind of how I view those two years as being different and the same. Obviously, you can go into contract details and stuff like that, but the bottom line is, Marco, they're committing to these guys to be big parts of their roster. If they work out, it's going to be great. If they don't, there's going to be problems. And, and for me, it, it, it's really kind of that simple. We said the yeah, same fair, thing in totally fair, different fair words. Yeah, exactly, 100%. <laughs> I'll, I'll, well, just one last thing for me, and I'll hop off. In tw- if you look at um, – they, they've, they've shown some of the teams that have spent a lot in free agency and where they've ended up uh, with seasons. And the 2016 team is actually uh, quite the outlier. They made the playoffs coming off a big spend in free agency, which is very rare. I love the makeup of this team much better, too. So, I guess, like – I love the way the direction was going in before free agency. So now they went out and did this, and they are one of the spending leaders in free agency. I was kind of like, oh, man. I, all I've heard was that 2016 contract, how it hurt us down the line. I just wanted a little more clarity. So I, so I kind of know what to expect from this one is basically why, why I called. Thanks, guys. Sure. Thanks. All right. Appreciate the phone call. is our phone number. Very quickly, the reason 2016 hurt us because those guys didn't pan out. No. If those guys were on those contracts and they're all great players for the length of their deal, it would have been fine. And the rest of the roster held up, too, for that matter, around those guys. Then it would have been fine. But it was all those things together that kind of, you know, worked against it. And the dead money. Uh, just go back and reverse three minutes ago to everything that I said, and that's exactly the same thing in different words. Yeah, I'm with you, hundred percent. That's all. That's I, all. I, I, I hope I hope I didn't make it sound like I was disagreeing with you. No, no, I, no, not. It's just a different way to say it. Uh, I mean, I just think it's more about this team and the makeup of this team, and the youth and upside of this team. That's more important than anything about the numbers in terms of money or contract years of these deals. It just is. Well, uh, because everything, everything that you do in a given season in terms of transactions is all dependent upon where you think you are, the status of your club. That's what impacts all of that stuff. And that, to me, that's the overriding factor more so than anything else. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday, about the age of these guys, too. They're all young first-rounders. Young I mean, veterans. They, and so, I mean, they're, and I was telling, and John was on with us yesterday a little bit, I, you know, I feel like that – these I told them you get when you get in the league it's it's not easy you know how it is it's difficult to play in the National Football League a lot of these guys do not figure things out 
until that fifth, sixth, seventh year in the league. And now you look at the, the Giants and who they signed and what years they've been in the league. They've got a little experience. They're, you know, they've, they've come in, and now they've, they've, they're learning more. And now they get with a coaching staff that you guys both agree seems to be much better than the ones that were in 2016. This is very promising for these guys. And, you know, I think that the building a culture within the locker room is important. I've mentioned these are all kind of guys you can build the locker room around both on and off the field, 100%. All right, Mike is on line one. He's Hello, from Mike. Little Lake Harbor. I'm not sure exactly where that is. By the big lake. <laughs> okay. Hi, okay. Mike. How are you? Mike? Hello, Mike. Mike is not there, I guess. He jumped in the lake. All right, 973-667-1960. As always is the case during this particular offseason, we've only got one telephone line. So when we lose a call or someone says goodbye, uh, that means the line is open for anybody but Charlie to call in. 973-667. Somebody's tripping over their chair to get to the phone right now. Oh, my goodness. The question is, if he falls down, can he get up? Never mind. We'll see. 973-667-1960 is our phone number or hashtag Giants Chat if you want to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, the one thing for me, Jeff, that, that I wanted to ask you, and that is, you know, we've had a lot of these discussions in the last week or so, but you and I haven't always been on the program. The need value component at 11. You know, we always know the Giants will go with best player available. Mm-hmm. I just think that what they've done with this free agent class on the whole lessens the need component when you weigh those two things together and you extrapolate who you believe the best pick is going to be. And I, I think it not only not only slightly impacts that 11, but I think the pick at 42 is even more impacted by what they've done in free agency. I do. I do. I think it, it does take a little bit of um, the pressure, if you will, off because they filled some position that before they did that, they, they were of, of need. Uh, I think cornerback was one of them um, that we all collectively have talked about as trying to improve that position, and they went out and did it. Um, now we talked about this, too, that, you know, what happens at 11? Is Patrick Sertain still available? Is Farley available? Any of these guys still there? Uh, then I, you're certainly going to have to take them. Well, Farley, um, with the back situation, he's not going to be a guy you'd want to take at 11 off the medical that, question. That's, that's tough on him. That just, it's got to be Sertan. If yes. you want a corner, Sertan is by far the number one corner. So I was just mentioning the two top two guys, but I, I feel like I, I agree with you. The pressure's off a little bit, but I still, you know, if there is a player there, a receiver or a defensive back, um, and even though you went out in free agency and got these veterans, I still think you need to – you can never have enough of those guys, especially cornerbacks. You know that. You, you can, and I both agree we're taking pits if he's there at 11, no matter oh, what the Giants did in free agency, correct? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay. you know, listen, I'm Kyle just Rudolph sure. is going to be – he's, a, he's a, a tremendous football player. Um, hoping that he gets healthy and that he can make it back by the start of the season, which he should. But however, he does his the longevity of him is you know he's on the he's on the back nine, if you will. So Kyle Pitts, hundred percent taking that guy, put him out there with Evan Ingram and uh, Kenny Galladay. Holy smokes! Yeah. In short, you never want to go into a draft, and it's an age-old axiom, you never want to go into a draft hungry or want to go into a draft saying, we must get this. And the Giants have alleviated 
a number of those spots with what they've done in free agency. Now it's like, well, we'd like to get this, but it's no longer we must get this. Yeah. And that yeah. really does make a difference. Let's let's talk a little bit briefly about the free agent class in 2020. Okay. Let's look at see how that that free agent class turned out to be for the Giants last season. Okay, Blake Martinez, heck of a year, right? You've got Bradbury, another heck of a year. You had Kyle Frackle, who, who I mean, we weren't expecting, a, you know, a Pro Bowl out of him, but he played pretty well until he now got hurt. Now went to the Chargers, just to let people know yeah. that. He did go there yesterday. So, I mean, he played pretty well. So, I think that, you know, when you look at Dave Gettleman and what he did last year, I think he did pretty darn good free agency. Then Logan this Ryan, year, too, yeah. Pardon me? Logan Ryan, Graham Gano. Yeah, the list just keeps going, right? So I feel like, you know, maybe the carryover for that this year, look at the guys they got. You know, it's a it's hit or miss with these guys sometimes, but, um, you know, you can't get it wrong all the time. Right, Paul? I mean, you've got to be right some of the time. <laughs> so, well, this is a good year to be right because the yeah, Giants because are planning to be a playoff team. They are they're, definitely, they're going, man. They're, they got the they, arrow pointing. And they've got a, they're, they're competing with the other three in this division, which everybody's kind of in the same boat, right? They're all trying to get better. The division was horrible. And now who, who's coming out of the offseason and after the draft? Let's see where the chips fall, and maybe the Giants are up there as a contender for this division. i gotta, I got to believe they are. All right, let's go try the phones again. Mike is going to give it another shot on line one. Hello, Mike. How you doing, guys? We're great. How are you? Okay. Uh, the question I have, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like what they've done, and like you guys are just talking about, they've given, their, given themselves a lot more room to roam around in the draft. They're not stuck on you know, one issue. They can, they can move around. But my concerns are still this offensive line. Everybody talks about, well, is this quarterback the guy? Well, how the heck are you going to find out this guy is the guy if he's trying to pass from on his back? And uh, they have to do something. They let Zeigler go. Okay, I understand some of the ramifications there with the cap. But uh, if they don't get the line to protect this guy and give him the time for these receivers to run, these new receivers especially, to run their longer routes, you know, we're back to square one with that stuff. I just want to know how you feel about that. And, you know, uh, to me, uh, I would use my 11th pick on the best available. Uh, I don't care if it's a guard or a tackle. Yeah, I was just going to ask you the same question as far as, you know, I, I believe that you're right. You, you know, you got to put a little bit of importance on that. So we're and you're thinking that 11th pick could be a guard or a tackle um, or something like that, too, right? Yeah, I mean, if they if, well, their first three picks. If they ever come up with a combination, say like a guy like Slater uh, from Woodward Northwestern, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a, there's another edge rusher out in Washington, Tyron. Um, I think that's his last name. Uh, yeah, I know the, the the edge rushers. I don't know if the ones that everybody's touting this year are the same caliber edge rushers you see uh, every year. But uh, if they get a combination of a good offensive lineman, I mean, a, you know, a, a really good one. That's kind of a plug-in, uh, even if it replaces Zeitler. Um, and an edge rusher, I'd be happy as a clam. Uh, I do love the the signings, don't get me wrong, and I wasn't expecting it from all the uh, poo-pooing about, uh, you know, they don't have any cap space, so I think they did a great job. Yeah, they had to kick the can, but so what? Uh, you know, I'm tired of watching, uh, you know, other teams in the playoffs, and I think so, so is Mr. Mara and Mr. Tish. 
Well, appreciate the phone call, and I do think that guys like Vera Tucker and Slater are potential picks at number 11 because uh, these guys will be close to plug-and-play starters. I mean, I think if you take him there, you have to believe he immediately, at the very least, competes for the starting job, if not win it right away. I think this, Jeff. Quiddy Pay um, is another one you could, you know. Well, if you want to go edge, see, I think the entire edge class is boom or bust. And for that reason, I wouldn't touch any of them at 11 Mm -hmm. unless they really, really strongly believe that the edge guy at 11 that they take is the guy. Because unless you have conviction and assertiveness about him, you've got to wait at least another round before you touch an edge guy. And that's just the way I look at that class. But the Giants upstairs may feel differently. And if they do, God bless them. And if they land an edge rusher who goes out there and gets 10 sacks, well, that's marvelous. That's absolutely marvelous. I think there's better value at 11 on the offensive line, at least more sure value. That, well, that, that would be my take on that. Well, and again, I think there's more of a need, if you will, for an offensive lineman than an edge rusher at this at this point, right? I mean, if you if you had a gun to your head and said, okay, you've got to pick a defensive end, edge rusher, or an offensive lineman at 11, what are you going to go? I, yeah. I, I feel more comfortable with the guys that you just mentioned at the guard position um, because, you know, you can get a good 10 years out of those guys if they play, you know, if they're good. And yeah. it, but they're all hit or miss, Paul. I mean, come on. They, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you never know. I mean, go historically go back and look at the first and second round. Go back 10 years and just see how many of those guys are still in the league. Or even go back five years and see who, how many of those guys are still around. It's, there's no perfect science to it. Sure. Uh, two points to make off of that call before we get to uh, the phone lines once again. Number one, don't believe everything you read. Certainly the public was, was fooled out of their minds that the Giants did not have enough cap money to do what they had to do. We tried to tell you on this show a billion we, times. A hundred times. The, the cap number it. is fluid. It is liquid. There are things that teams can do behind the curtain, and you never know. The public does not know, nor do any of the reporters in the media. They do not know the liquid plans that a front office has because they're thinking to themselves, okay, we're not going to bring this guy back. We're going to wind up getting rid of this guy. And these are the contracts that we believe we're going to be able to tinker with and we're going to be able to get this much money back. And these are the guys we may even be able to get pay cuts from. The front office has all that stuff behind the curtain, close to the vest, and any fool who quotes you cap numbers is a fool because he doesn't know those things. And that's why everybody was fooled that the Giants did not have money. We told you that the money we knew they had was enough that they could do some things. They were in the middle of the pack in terms of the public's awareness but we also told you there were things they could do if they wanted to, mm-hmm. to get more. We yeah. told you this a thousand times, a million times, but everybody keeps reading the papers and believes the papers, and this is what they get. They get fooled. So that's number one. Um, I think number two, and I think I just forgot. Oh, here it is, number two, pass protection. I do believe the Giants' offensive line has to get better. I also believe that Lemieux has upside. I believe Thomas has upside, which we saw in the second half of last season. Mm -hmm. And I believe that Parrott has upside because he certainly flashed very well as a rookie. And I also believe that Gates has upside as he enters his second year. I am one who believes that all these young guys on that offensive line 
will improve and do better. Much like Deal got better. Soybert got better. Snee got better. That's what happens when you're a young player and you play a little bit. You usually get better as you develop, grow, and mature. Sometimes it works the other way. It does. It does happen. I have to admit to that. But I believe that I've seen enough from these young fellas that they will be better internally. They will have improvement. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go out and get some more reinforcements. I'm all for it. I've been saying all along the Giants need to draft an interior offensive lineman come the end of April. How high do you draft him? I'm, I, I, I could, if they take one at 11, I have no problem with that. If mm-hmm. they feel that there's a guy there who can plug and play. Okay? So let's make that clear. And also, let's also make clear this. Galladay gives Jones a better target and a bigger target to throw to. Rudolph gives Jones a very good route runner with sure hands who can run short and intermediate routes, which will allow him to get rid of the ball with confidence that the play is going to be made. And let's not forget that Booker, the running back they signed, is a blitz picker upper in the backfield. Last year, the Giants did not have a running back who did real well in picking up the pressure. Well, now with Booker back there, Daniel Jones, especially on third down, which is where I see him being utilized, he will have an extra blocker who's going to give him that extra half a second or so that he needs to find the guy downfield. Already, I'm telling you, the Giants passing game is going to move forward without even getting to the draft. That's how confident I feel in these guys. And and two things. One's on that subject with the pass receivers and – Number one, you've got guys, you got playmakers, okay, that will will catch the football. They will go after the ball and they will get it and they will they will make plays. They will definitely make the contested catches. Both Rudolph and Galladay have historically been able to do that. They're both big, tall, six foot four guys. Okay, um, the offensive line. We don't talk a lot about this, but just remember, Rob Sale is the new offensive line coach. Okay, brought in from the college ranks. He is going to be a really good addition to this offensive line group, not to mention they brought back Flass, okay, Um, Mm -hmm. Flaherty. So I think that that, too, is going to help this offensive line because Pat Flaherty is one of the better offensive line coaches in the history of this league. And when you go back and talk about who the coach was for the guys that you just said, how much they improved, the Chris Sneeze and the the David Deals of the world and Rich Soybert, those guys, well, guess who was their coach? Pat Flaherty. So I'm thinking that has a lot to do with it. And I know that coaching, we all talk about the players at least. We say, oh, it's all coach talk. It's this or that. Listen, coaching goes a long ways. And by the way, a lot of players in the National Football League, Paul, they want to be coached. They need coaching because it, gets, it makes them better. They don't want guys that just, just go out there and play. They want coaching. And I think the Giants have done an, an amazing job of putting Rob Sale and Pat Flaherty in that offensive line room together to be able to work on this offensive line because that's going to help. I promise you that's going to help. And now add a little bit more uh, experience and some of these young guns coming in there. I think the Giants are going to be in a better place for Daniel Jones to be able to get a little more protection for what you just talked about, having some targets down the field, having some guys that can pick up blitz and even you know, catching the ball out of the backfield and making guys miss and making plays. All right, back to the phones. Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Well, how are you? Good. 
Good. Everything's going good. Hey, uh, a couple of comments. Uh, Paul, in your in your recitation two, three minutes ago about the offensive line and the fact that you were convinced that there was going to be improvements amongst a couple of the guys, I don't know if you inadvertently or whether you did it uh, on purpose left Hernandez off that list. And I, I've, I don't know if it's – I would have left him off the list also, we'll Paul. And, Jeff, um, I, I've just lost confidence in him. I have um, more confidence in the upside of the other fellas than I do Hernandez yeah. right now because okay. Hernandez, whether or not the COVID had something to do with it, and it may have, yeah. the truth is he has now been up and down over his three-year Giants career. Correct. Okay? Yeah. The other guys, to me, they are, so far, the arrow is crawling up on all of the other four mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. I have not seen any of those other four guys take a backward step yet. You know, with Hernandez, uh, let's give him a shot at left guard. Let's see if he can beat out Lemieux. If not, maybe he's the swing guy, if we really think he can handle that kind of demotion. And, but if, if we do that, it opens up a big hole at right guard, and I think we've got a big hole at right guard. And we, we need to be looking at that in the first two rounds for sure, for sure. sure. Unless we think, hey, here's a wild one. Maybe Pert can move inside and Solder plays right tackle, uh, you know. But we got to fill that right guard position. That's the problem. And I don't think Hernandez is the guy. Hey Jeff, I agree with you totally. Uh, a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about bringing in these young veterans mm-hmm. and the importance of the fact that these guys have learned the game and you know yeah. are really ready to you know move forward in their careers. And I agree with you. I, you know, the core of the team needs to be between those four and eight year guys. And I yeah. think that's where we're headed. Sure, and right. I, I, I kind of like that. Um, but he, here, here's one thing that you also get, I think, Jeff, with, with these young veterans. And you think about it with the guys that we brought in. They've also had chances to get nicked up, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at the three top guys, I, I know Rudolph isn't between the four and eight. But if you look at the top three guys, Jackson, Rudolph, and Galladay, man, we poked and probed at those guys mm-hmm. because they had injuries coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that always bothers me about these young veterans who, you, you wonder why Tennessee let, let Jackson go. You know, there may have been some personal things going on, but, you know, was it because of the injuries? Has he really tailed off, you know? Len, I, I appreciate the phone call. Uh, we were just given a high sign from the production department. Uh, we've got to run and cut this show just a few minutes short. We've got something else that's coming up, and we've got to take care of it. Please call us another time, cool. 973-667-1960. Len, thanks for calling. We'll get to you again on another show. Jeff Fiegels, appreciate the time as always. You're welcome. We'll be back hey, 12 o'clock. Hey, hey, Paul, 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 yeah. no. Uh, we're going to have him live on the show. Stand by. Oh. oh there we go. Okay. We need music. Breaking news. Thing, I thought I, I honestly believed that we were having to sign off. Oh, Instead, we are just switching gears. Hi, Paul. You are good to go. He's there. Uh, we have Zach you, Fulton Doc. on the line, veteran offensive lineman who has agreed to terms with the New York football giants, a, a guy who's played with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Zach, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Zach. Morning. Good to be here. How you doing? Oh, we're doing very well. I hope uh, all is well and healthy with you and your family. And I guess the first question we have to ask is why sign with the Giants? What have they told you their plans on for, for you? We know you've played guard, and we also know you've played center in the league. Well, uh, the city's great. I, I want to get a chance to explore it. Um, 
and I, I love the organization. I think they have a, they know what they're doing around here. And um, I believe I haven't spoke too much about what I'm doing role wise, but I just want to be able to be a better football player, a better person, and be able to help out to the organization in whatever way I can. Zach, you know, uh, Zeitler has was left the team, and so kind of there's a void at that right guard position, I think, hence one of the reasons that you've been brought in here. Um, what are some of the things that you can build upon? I know that we earlier we were talking a little bit about, you know, veterans in this league that, you know, they can play three to five, six years, and, you, you know, it takes a long time to be really good at your craft, and, and by that time you kind of figure out what's going on in the National Football League. Do you think you have a, a, a big upside coming in here and, and to be able to compete for that right guard position? And what are some of the things that you need to work on coming off of last year's season? Um, I think that overall just coming in, like I said, I just want to have the mentality of making this team better, um, doing whatever I can or have to to play my role and find my role, whatever that happens to be. And um, honestly, everything else will work itself out once we go from there. Zach, what do you bring to the table for those of us who may not have seen you play a lot with Houston or a lot with Kansas City? Could you give us a scouting report on yourself? What do you believe your strengths are? And what do you think that you'd still like to polish up after being around the NFL for a while? I believe I'm a tough, uh, physical, and smart player. Um, like I said, I got versatility, and I've been around the league for a while. So I kind of know, you know how things go, how things are supposed to you know, happen and fall into line. So. Um, but what I want to work on is just understanding the game more and more. Um, you can never get enough of that. And just, you know, being a good teammate, that's all. Did you have a chance to talk to uh, Coach Rob Sale or Pat Flaherty in the last couple of days? I will talk to him very shortly after this, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, I'm glad we're in the pecking order before your coaches. That I love it. pretty cool. Oh, just, just, yeah, yeah just – do me a favor and mention to those, both of those guys that you talked to us before. We you talk to them, will you? That'll make them real happy. <laughs> no, just I'll be but. Sure to let them know. Uh, yes. Well, actually, I, I was on the team with Coach Flaherty uh, back in the you know the early two thousands there. So. Uh, he is a wonderful coach. I think you're going to do good things with him. Um, you know, the Giants are, like you said, a great organization. And we're glad to see you here. And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely one thing that I think that, did, of course, you know about Coach Judge and his competition and loves to compete, loves to have guys come in here and compete with the job. Did he tell you that you have a jo- an opportunity to come in here and compete for that starting job? Uh, not particularly, but I know it. You know, just being around any offensive line room, the you know best five guys are going to play. And like I said, I'm going to do my best to you know, give my all to this organization, and we'll see where what everything happens. Zach, let me ask you this also. From your years in the league, it's been now over half a dozen years you've been in the National Football League. Who are some of the influences that you have drawn upon as you have gone on in your career? Um, no one in particular, but just, just being around the league, you get to see – know how guys act in a professional sense and something i really picked up on my rookie year was just um figuring out how to be a professional and i think i took that um from my rookie year and, and learned and learned as the years have gone by and just tried to build upon that and then finally for me and i don't know if jeff has one more uh the giants are hoping that saquon barkley is as healthy as ever and able to come back and 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 do what he does best for this team this year what are some of your thoughts about blocking for a guy like him and obviously Daniel Jones, who is a developing quarterback? Um, I'm excited to, to block for them both, honestly. I know that, that running back, he's, he's a great guy, and he's, he's going to get some yards, so i got no, no problem with that. And uh, Daniel Jones, I haven't met him yet, but I'm sure uh, he's a great guy, and uh, I can't wait to meet him. 
Zach Fulton, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Welcome to the New York Giants. We wish you luck. And, again, stay well during the course of the offseason. Thank you, Zach. Welcome. Thank you. So, breaking news here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. So glad to be able to bring that to you. Zach Fulton, again, uh, came to the NFL as a sixth-round draft choice in 2014 from the University of Tennessee when he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. He has started 90 games in his NFL career, including one year at center when he was with KC before he landed with the Houston Texans. And last year he was their starting right guard for the full season. So, a veteran who comes in to add depth at the very least and potentially uh, some competition for the interior yeah. offensive line. I mean, just like that, we were just talking about that right guard position, and then sure enough, we get the new one, the newest giant on the line, that plays a right guard. There you go. But I think that, you know, I think he has a good attitude. Um, I'm sure that, you know, like you said, Paul, that he's going to be able to uh, compete, number one, and number two, his versatility, versatility and being able to play center and be able to play right guard. Um, if for some reason he doesn't uh, get into the starting role there and he makes the team, he definitely will be a guy that can play both positions in case uh, something happens. Well, we know the Giants already brought in Jonathan Harrison, the veteran who played with the Colts and the Jets. He was mm-hmm. primarily a center had some guard experience. Fulton is a primarily a guard who has some center experience. There you go. So now you've got two guys who between them have nearly a dozen years in the NFL as at the least depth in, inside for those three positions and again, possible competition, and that does not at all preclude the fact that the Giants may go and draft somebody as high as even the number 11 pick mm-hmm. come next month. Yeah. So the Giants doing what they can to continue to beef things up on the roster. Well, listen, I mean, it's uh, this is the time of the year where uh, everybody's busy trying to build depth, trying to build this team to compete into the 2021 season. Uh, we've got a long ways to go. We got uh, still got a lot of draft picks to go, and um, you know, just hoping now, Paul. I guess we just are keeping our fingers crossed with COVID and things like this that uh, the off season will be a little bit normal um, rather than what happened last year. Because I would love to see these guys get back on the field for some sort of workouts um, collectively together at the facility somehow, some way, uh, just so it'll lend itself to be just a better off season than it was last year. All right, well, that will officially do it now. I can now send you (laughs) off to the rest of this beautiful afternoon, Mr. Fiegels. You mean Paul's not going to – I mean, uh, John's not going to interrupt you and say, wait, wait, we got one more guy. Hold on. John John did a great job of not only helping us with those pro day numbers from Penn State, but then also chiming in to make sure that we got Zach Fulton on the air before we signed off. It's it's not often we get a guy literally fresh as the ink is dried on his contract, (laughs) but we were just able to do that now. So uh, kudos to uh, the PR people and John for arranging that. Big Blue Kickoff Live is heard every weekday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time, and you could always find it also uh, on the Giants archive presented by uh, uh, Investors Bank uh, on the Giants app, the Giants mobile site, the Giants.com internet site, 973-667-1960. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll catch you next time.